Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles, the international edition. I am Rod Kolick, your host. And with me across from the pond is uh, the head of science and uh, author of uh, Paracetics and Ghostology, Mrs. Steve Poshitz. Good evening. How are you, Ron? Nice to hear you. Outstanding. A little bit loud there in the speaker, but you're, you're okay. Okay, um, I can fix that. Talk to yourself for 30 seconds. Togginet, disconnect me. Okay, there you go. So anyways, uh, across the pond is uh, Mr. Parsons, who will be joining us shortly. And we also have on the show today the teller of Curious Tales, Diller Jones. And we will have episode three of this amazing 600-part series. Uh, so this will be interesting as usual but, but all that by the way Dylan, are you with us i'm here i'm right here ron how are you this evening so why the hell am i talking to myself you're here i can talk to you you can oh, and I, it's better than talking to steve parsons that's why hey, you're not supposed to be until after the ad break go away no stay <laughs> stay with stay here Dylan. don't ignore him he's just a bitter old man hey no he's not he's very just bitter, very old <laughs> hey <laughs> I got a back Ron up on this. It's about yeah. time you're put in your place. Oh, I can thank only apologize. I can apologize, Ron, because what happened was as I started to uh, log in tonight, my yeah. computer decided it it needed to update itself. Is that the way? It's always the way. In it just. But fortunately, it, we made it. Just mm-hmm. anyway. But anyway, we, we, I'm all excited because this is going to be the third episode of uh, Curious Tales, the teller of Curious Tales. Oh, and, I, was, you know, I was excited because you were going to tell us about Tyrrhelian Purple. Oh, no, we already went through that, so I'm not going to talk about oh, you that. Did, you did say it was first topic on the conversation for tonight's yeah, show. Yeah, but uh, Lou, Lou straightened it all out, so we were all uh, set with that. Ki- killer, killer sea mollusks. No, not quite, but good enough. <laughs> But anyways, uh, you know, there's so many mysteries in the world, and I, 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 it just amazes me every time, you know, something turns up that you look at it and they're like, damn, that's so cool. I mean, Steve, uh, Stephen Scott uh, posted a little thing. Did you see that, Stephen, on my Facebook page? Uh, is this the archaeology thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. What's the, I mean, what's briefly, the, briefly before my computer decided to update itself. It wasn't that pretty cool. I mean, for those who want, you go to my page, Ronald Kolick, uh on Facebook, and, uh, you know, he posted this thing. It, it looks like the gates of hell. It looks like all these bodies are being just sucked into the gates of hell. And, and you know, it's a geological formation, but it, it's amazing. I mean, there's so many cool things in the world that... You know, we come across them, and it's just—it's astounding. I mean, you know, it's—it's it's like we don't know half our world. So, if we don't know half our world, how are we going to know the invisible world of the paranormal? Is anybody with me? 
I don't know. I thought that was a rhetorical question. No, it wasn't. That was uh, a uh, question. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, we could go back to last week's rant where I, I basically started to say that you know we've been we've been exploring the spiritual realm for thousands of years, and we we're not really any further forward, are we? No. Despite no. you know, despite science, so you say, how do we understand the world that you know we we, we don't understand our own you know our um, real world, mm-hmm. the world we inhabit. So how can we understand the world that uh, the other world? The, the but do we exactly? Even know I mean, there there are but, places but do we even in the United States. There? there are places in the United States that have been mapped yet, never really been set foot on. Uh, so. Well, ninety I mean, percent of the world's oceans are complete unknowns, aren't they? I mean, we know yeah, more about yeah. we know more about outer space than we do about the um, the bottom of the ocean. But that, the the point, we, you know, we come back to this problem that we are still an evolving species. We've only been here, you know, in a, in, a, in a sort of reasonable form for about thirty thousand years, and we've done fairly well um, over that thirty thousand years. But you know, it's a big place. It's a big universe out there, and. Science has already said, physicists have already said that there are multiple dimensions to this universe that we inhabit. You know, they could demonstrate this mathematically, although they, you know, they can't find 90% of the matter of it. It's yeah. out there somewhere. Um, they know it's there because they can, they can, measure, they can measure the effects of it. Providing so that, that our math and our science is... is well, I mean, you know, they, can, they black, can measure black, the effects... Not tomorrow's black magic. No, they can measure the effects of black, dark matter. So they know it's there, but they they can't in any way. It's like trying to measure love, isn't it? I mean, how do you measure love? We all know, we all understand it, but you know, can we measure it? How do you quantify something number of like children. an emotion? Like an emotion? By the number of children, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> um, how do I mean? You know, a, a simple concept. Let's just relate it to the physical world. We can't see the wind. You just cannot see the wind. All you can see are the effects of the wind upon right. the structures that, you know, the... the, the, the Same sort of, with tides. Um, tides are the effect of the moon. Gravity. And gravity. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't see... Well, what you can't... You can see the tides. You can't see gravity. Yeah, but um, you can't see the, the, the... You can see uh, the effects of gravity on the tides. Right. That's what you meant. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can see tree branches moving and stuff. Exactly. But, so you why don't we know so factor. much? If you say we've been investigating paranormal for thousands of years, why don't we know so much? Is it because it's not profitable? Um, we can't possibly. make a buck on it? No, well, well let's be honest. Religion's been making a buck out of it for the last 2,000 years. Um, and probably for some time before that, if you go back to ancient Egypt, you know the, the priests were the priestly classes were always the rich elite. Um, you know, were always well supplied by the pharaohs or by the kings or by the emperors. You know, great in order to buy their their place in the afterlife or in heaven. Um, you know, they 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 endowed cathedrals, they endowed temples, they endowed the priesthood. They had prayers said for them. So there's always been a buck to be made. You know, um, we're, we we are certainly an inventive lot when it comes to uh, capitalism mm-hmm. and, cr- and making money. I mean, look at just the media. They've been doing that for a couple of thousand years as well, haven't they? Um, so it's not that there's not a buck to be made. It, it's just that we're dealing with something that 
you know, as we talked about last week, uh, goes beyond the realm of physics. It goes into uh, the weird subjective world of belief. You talked about... Well, you talked about gravity before. Now, there's an interesting idea with gravity because actually physics doesn't really understand what gravity is. It can't... It has theories, but that's all they are. It cannot actually demonstrate what, in fact, gravity is. But what it can do, like the wind, it it acts upon structures. It acts upon things that we do understand, like planets and frogs and people and acorns and apples. So we can measure the effects in a very, very predictable fashion. Mm-hmm. So there is a force called gravity that we don't know very much about. Cal, get off the line. There is a force called gravity about which we don't really uh, know much about. However, we know that, uh, what it does. Now, if there was another force, let's call this force psi. Mm-hmm. A force similar to gravity that we don't understand, but it's acting upon uh, a series of um, not fixed immutable structures like leaves and acorns and apples and buildings and planets it's acting upon the mind now everybody's mind is different so the effects will be different so we can't predict the effects and the outcomes so the the gravity uh, and psi might be real physical universal phenomena but their effects we can't understand we can understand one because it acts upon things that we do understand and are predictable. The other, we can't measure because it acts upon things that are variable and unpredictable. Yes, but, you know, you and just, I'm patenting you just, you just defended, you defended all the, the, the uh, paranormal stuff that's, that's done by groups nowadays that we well, can't I'm understand. We, I haven't we, defended it. I've never, I've never said that it's not We can't it. understand paranormal be, uh, you know, a broken flashlight because we, we don't know the effects. And they're saying, yes, so we can see the effects by this broken flashlight or by this K2 meter being uh, manipulated by spirit. And therefore, the well, that, paranormal taking, exists. Well, that's taking a... Uh, a sound idea, i.e., the one of a of a of a, a force that's acting on a random body, i.e., the consciousness, the mind, and bending it to suit the whim of the believer. Um, because there are certain experiments that you can do, and whilst we don't understand the paranormal because we we well, we can't measure it, what we can do are look at what some of the claims that have been made. For example, let's take the flashlight. Okay. Now, uh, Steve, a lot I'm going of... to have to interrupt right here. Um, Thanks. Dylan? Still with... Dylan? Yes, I'm still here. Yes. Can you stand in for me? Um, I have to uh, take this call. Um, my, uh, it's my... again, isn't it? No, it's my, my wife's father is, is on his deathbed, oh, so okay. I have to uh, take this. So can you can you step in, please? Of course yeah. I can, Ron. No Thank problem you. at all. Okay, Steve. Right. To continue. Yes. Um, if we take that maglite exp- uh, idea that Ron just alluded to, this mm-hmm. idea, uh, people have seen on television, people have um, offered up the idea that spirits can interact by flashing uh, on and off a handheld torch, a maglite torch specifically. Um, yeah. Now... 
you can repeatedly do that predictably uh, over and over and over again uh, in wherever you want to do it. I mean, you saw it being done only a few weeks ago in Chester by me uh, as on, on a public show and tell um, part of the investigation. Um, so we can rule out certain types of um, claims based upon these uh, types of experiments, like the K2 meter. We can demonstrate that these devices are not actually doing anything that we can't predict. And by the fact that we can predict the outcomes and by the fact that we can replicate the effects over and over and over, we can demonstrate that the that they're simply not paranormal and that they are well-understood, natural, normal phenomena. Yes, of course you can. I mean, like, like you said, we've seen it ourselves on numerous occasions um, and we've also seen it where groups, you know, uh, things that I've been filming, where they'll set these things up and ask questions to it and they're just making their own responses up um, to suit the circumstance. But, we, you know, we can take these objects and, as you say, replicate quite convincingly, repeatedly, that there are natural physical explanations for it. Well, it, it comes down to this, this manifestation of the human spirit, this, this idea of belief, because these people often, we, people are, you know, I, me, you, all of us are looking for something when we go and investigate these phenomena. It might be looking for an explanation, it might be seeking our own proof, or to debunk because, you know, our, our mindset is that it's rubbish. Uh, but we need, you know, we're all on a journey. We all go into this, um, unfortunately, with preconceived ideas ideas because that's part of being a human being we can't help yes, ourselves human nature uh and and so we have these ideas and we set out to to well not we don't set out to test them we set out to to um confirm them to support yeah. our uh conceived preconceived notions and ideas it's very very difficult one of the hardest things to learn as an investigator is to be open-minded it's very easy for and you hear this claim being made many times oh i'm an open-minded skeptic or <laughs> yeah that actually yeah yeah surprise or i'm a scientific medium is another equally bizarre conundrum that you hear <laughs> um but you get this idea that that um People are open-minded, and in actual fact, that is an incredibly difficult thing to achieve. Uh, it's very well, yeah, easy I mean, how, to say. Yeah, but how many times do you actually stand back and say, well, hang on a minute, was I correct? And when do you start questioning yourself and evaluating what you've done and, and really sort of take a long, hard look at uh, the way you've done things? Um, well, is it a case of saying you're correct? It's actually harder to say I was wrong. I was wrong. Yes, I never yeah, wrong, very so. much so. I, I'm never wrong, so I, I never have to say that. <laughs> so works out for me. I, I, by the way, uh, really, I'm I'm happily wrong a lot of the time. Mm. So anyway, I just never admit it. <laughs> I, oh, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I agree with you totally. You are wrong a lot of the time. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, is it you? You said a statement. There's no such thing as a scientific medium. Why can't you be a medium and still follow? No, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. Uh, that must have really? been before you reconnected with the with the conversation. What I said is, you often hear the claim that mm. mediums are scientific. Now, there is no. They're not mutually exclusive. You can have mediums who are... You can have med in fact, there have been um, a number of mediums who are also scientists. There are a lot of mediums who are also deeply religious. So the two, belief 
um, which is a human characteristic, a belief in a higher being or a spiritual plane, is not does not mutually exclude science. But what you do hear quite commonly as a justification um, for the claims by mediums often is that they are we like to consider everything scientifically and skeptically but and then and then they present their evidence and you realize that very quickly that what they're really saying is um it's it's rather like the 90 percent of orbs are paranormal but 10 percent of the 90 uh, percent of get. orbs are, are dust and 10 percent of them are not and it's the 10 percent that i've got that high huh 10 percent well you know what i mean um, they're using it to to prop up their claim by saying that they are. It's 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 a qualifying statement in terms of what they're saying. They they are using it to uh, elevate the status of the claim that they are making for the quality of their evidence by saying that they are scientific, that they have examined all the possibilities, um, and that you should rely upon their testimony. Now that doesn't mean to say that. In some instances, they haven't examined it to a scientific or to a good high standard. However, in the vast majority of cases, when you examine the evidence that they're presenting, you realise very quickly that there has been no uh, critical, uh, subjective examination of the evidence. Merely saying, we asked, uh, you know, we have had the photograph analysed um, and it, we cannot explain it. Well, we don't know how it was analysed, and if you ask, oftentimes you find that it wasn't analysed to uh, an acceptable forensic standard, such as would be used by the FBI or the police or any other agency wishing to examine a photograph, say, just simply, for example, to get a number plate, from a register, a licence plate from a vehicle, um, that the audio files have only been looked at using something like Audacity, instead of one of the very complicated, uh, very expensive audio analysis uh, software packages that are mm -hmm. used by the NTSB or the Civil Aviation Authority when they're listening to the output from cockpit voice recorders. Um, so they're not actually really critically making the claims. And then they compound it by saying at the end, well, we, it is unexplainable. We have examined it and it is unexplainable. What they should really be saying is, we can't explain it. That doesn't mean to say that somebody else can't come along later. And there's been many, many times where they have presented unexplainable evidence and I, I and others have been readily able to explain it because our level of understanding or our exposure to uh, certain situations has been different um we may have encountered a situation before that you know offers us an insight we may understand uh, the nature of the phenomena such as the orb better than perhaps they do or simply they just you know they don't want to look too hard because they've already uh, met the criteria i.e that what they've just experienced meets their criteria of wanting it to be paranormal so, anyways, you batted around the word science and scientific around. So what I decided to do is look and see what the accepted definitions of science and scientific is. Uh, the def definition for science is knowledge acquired by careful observation, by deduction of the laws which govern changes and conditions, and by testing these deductions uh, by experiment. 
Okay, mm-hmm. so that's one. And then scientific, uh, pertaining to science, especially natural science, are using methods based upon well-established facts mm-hmm. and obeying well-established laws. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's, well, that there's... pretty much rules out the Ouija board, the dousing rod, K2 meters, chatting to K2 meters and flickery torches. Mm. Hey. <laughs> yeah, can I can many of this as well? Yeah, many yeah, people yeah, claim yeah, that yeah, to yeah. be science. Yeah, yeah you can. It's like the whole evidence thing, isn't it? It's what what makes good evidence. Um, and, you know, when when you're a police officer, as I used to be, as you're well aware, um, we would be the evidence gatherers. But it wasn't up to us to determine exactly. whether that evidence was. You know, it was proof of something that was down to, and you would call in various experts. So, for example, if there was some footage of something you wanted analysed, it wasn't up to the police officer to interrogate that bit of footage. It would be sent to an expert in that field. And I think what a lot of paranormal groups do is they see themselves as the evidence gatherer and the expert. Judge, jury and executioner. Yeah, which they're not. No, they're not. But you're, you hit that right on the nose. And, and when you collect evidence as a police officer, let me ask you, this is a question, it's not a uh, statement. Mm. Do, do your personal beliefs get involved in your collection of evidence? Um, it's, it's very easy to let them because you would find that if you're dealing with a particular person that you've had um, to arrest on occasions before... Mm-hmm. You, you, your mind is thinking, oh, yes, this person has done it, this person is responsible. But you have to be very, very careful. You don't lead yourself down that path. You have to take that step back. And that's and, and, where professionalism comes in. And why is that? Why can't you just play your gut? And, and there's, a, there's a reason for this, isn't it? The ultimate yeah, it's called bias. <laughs> well, no, or even beyond that, why why can't you, you, you know... Uh, why do, why, ha, why do you have to really check? You can't let your, uh, your bias interfere in collecting of your evidence. Well, it's about the integrity, isn't it, and your professionalism. If you, you, and, I think if you start ultimate, looking at that, you start and, missing things. And the ultimate thing, of course, is the uh, evidence presented in a court of law, which has to be proved valid. Yeah. Correct? So if you Correct. say, oh, I, I picked him up before, so I know he did it, then hmm. that in a court of real law, would that, la- would that make it? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. But, of course, in the, I don't know what it's like out in, uh, in the States, Ron, but in the UK, a police officer has to give evidence that actually undermines the prosecution case. So you have to consider that the, perhaps the person wasn't responsible. So if you bring it back to a paranormal uh, case that you could be looking at, you know, you have to be looking at, well, there are other explanations. And unfortunately, so, you see so many videos each week on the Internet of, you know, a blind acceptance of something paranormal when they haven't said, well, hang on a minute, it could be something else. Exactly. And, and Steve, I, you know, I, I really like what Dylan said because that made all the sense in the world. And I think you agree with that, is that it is our job to collect that evidence and then to allow, uh, as you always say, peer review, our experts to analyze that evidence and come up with the uh, 
the right conclusion. But do you do that in parasites or, or do you play judge, jury and executioner? Well, we live in we the paranormal investigation um actually is slightly different than the criminal justice system. And why because, is that? Well, because uh the investigators, be they parapsychologists or in or amateur enthusiasts, to a, to an extent do have to play judge, jury and executioner. Um and offer some expert uh well uh, offer some opinion on the evidence. They, so they have to gather the evidence, they have to interpret the evidence, and they have to present their findings, simply because there is no higher mechanism. They can offer it for peer review in some instances. For example, you produce a, a paper and you, you have it reviewed. Um, but within the general broad paranormal community, and this goes back centuries, isn't a, a new thing, uh, there has been no higher mechanism. There is no court for the paranormal um now yes um in cases of um interesting audio um we submit all all uh evidence so audio photography whatever it is um we 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 do uh, undertake our own uh, examination of the evidence if we feel that the evidence uh stands up to our own cr- uh, scrutiny what we have done on many, many occasions is then contacted a higher agency. So, for example, during the orb experiments, um, when we were initially confronted with the problem, we contacted the manufacturers of the cameras uh, and we sent them the files and said, can you comment, can you uh, interpret, can you uh, give us some further information on what might be the cause of this um, anomaly that we're seeing? Mm-hmm. And likewise with audio, we have in the past referred to uh, forensic audio um, analysts. And we have also referred cases to psychologists where we feel that there is uh, a need for a psychological input rather than a parapsychological input where we think that there might be something of the mind taking place and we need some expert opinion. Um, now, that that is the way that we've treated it but within the broader paranormal community there is no higher agency there is no uh well there isn't a way steve because well there isn't I mean, is there who well, is there can, can i complete it yeah, and, absolutely and, and and that yourself like myself we we often get people sending us pictures and other things and they're recognizing us as a higher agency to evaluate this mm-hmm. evidence that they believe they have collected. Would you not agree with that? Uh, indeed, and only only today I was analysing some audio from a recording that was uh, undertaken during a uh, me, uh, psychic reading, um, which was referred to me. Now, <laughs> we also have people referring uh, stuff to Zach Bagans uh, and mm-hmm. others because they can see, you know, their, their expertise is perceived purely because they are on the television. Right. Um, so it's which expert do you... I mean, who accredits me? Who accredits you? Uh, mm-hmm. What what makes us... So that uh, seems to be the problem, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, they send it to us because Anyways, we've got, I, I because we've say, got a radio show. Shy, but the, uh, the beats are here, so we have to take a break. So anyways, uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International right here on Tojanet, Pararex, uh, Astronet Radio, Planet Paranormal, wherever else we're played. And our special guest today is uh, Dylan Jones, the teller of Curious Tales. And we'll be right back after the following messages. 
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. We don't have heartbeats anymore, we just have Ron tinkling the old ivories of the Van Helsing theme tune to bring us back to part two of Ghost Chronicles, the international edition. Our guest tonight is the teller of Curious Tales himself. And uh, you actually, you should have been here during the ad break because um, we, we were dealing with the thorny issue of do, uh, do goalkeepers in soccer or football, or it depends which side of the Atlantic you're on, it's the same game, um, round ball, um, do they wear glasses? Hmm. That's what we get up to in the ad break. But before the ad break, we were talking judge, jury, executioner. Do they? Do they what? Wear glasses. Would you wear glasses if someone was kicking a ball at you? No. Well, there's your answer. I mean, they have the the they have plastic (laughs) ones. Who needs science when you have common sense? Oh, okay. What about your referees? Are are they? They never wear glasses. They never wear. Are they full time referees? I don't know, Dylan. Yes, certainly ah. the ones for like the, the Premier League in football in the UK and sort of the, the higher levels of um, you know, sports. Yes, they will be. Although there was quite something interesting that our rugby referees were sponsored by Specsavers a few years ago, if you remember Spec that, uh, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that went down well. Uh, you know what? Our NFL referees are actually part-time employees. Right. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> So when so when do we get they make so many bad calls? Just saying. Anyways, get back to yeah. the the real subject. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ghost Chronicles International. I mean, Ghost Chronicles, the morning edition. I don't, did we mention ghosts at all? I mean, we uh, were on about Terillion purple sea mollusks and Roman emperors. So uh, 
We're trying to get it onto the ghost tonight. What squirrels? Oh, yeah, purple squirrels. I did mention super, Supernatural, where the, the guy had the out-body experience. Uh, you did. So, uh, anyway. But, it, but, you know, it is... To just return to the point you were making before the break um, about judge, jury, and executioner and about the way we have to deal with things in the paranormal, therein lies one of the key issues, that we don't have... Uh, uh, well... There is actually a layer, supposedly a layer above us, but it's rather a self-proclaimed uh, layer above, and that's parapsychology. Because what you have here is a bunch of people who are, in, in, in reality, psychologists. They're not, you know, you can't go off and get a, a qualification as a parapsychologist. Um, and they have said, we have got university qualifications and therefore we're better than you, and therefore what we say counts for more than you because your degree is in something else or you work at a nine-to-five job, and therefore we're better than you, and we will, you know, you have to come to us to have anything you do validated. That's complete nothing nonsense, and it's scientism. That is people who are, you know, using their academic qualifications to browbeat others and say, and climb up the pile. In reality, science is only a methodology, uh, as you outlined earlier when you gave the, the, the one of the definitions for science. Science is simply a methodology. A monkey can do science. Anybody can do something scientifically. And it's very important to, to point if out... If they know how to. Well, it's very simple. We all used scientific methods at school. If you remember back to school, to high school, when you did science experiments, when you wrote down uh, the... The title of the experiment. Seriously, does anybody even do basic elementary? Well, yeah, but they did. And this is all we're asking of people. We're not asking them to do. It's not rocket science. What we're dealing with is the basic, simple building blocks of an experiment. What is the title of the experiment? What is the aim of the experiment? What is the question that you're seeking to answer? What is the method that you're going to use? What is the equipment that you're going to use? What were the measured outcomes? What is your conclusion? That is science in a nutshell, and that's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. Science is not about, and I've seen groups, uh, you know, on their s- w- describing Ouija boards as sci- dousing rods, even in one one or two bizarre cases, the use of mediums as part of a scientific process. Because they can, they, okay, let me stop. Well, they confuse. Can well, you use let me just, Ouija boards in a scientific experiment? Absolutely, you can. Um, however. You, you you can do you can use anything you can use a K two you could use a maglite and in fact we did some maglite experiments. A, a snail, probably, but we we've done um, scientific experiments with maglites. That's what means that I can confidently say that it's the spring mechanism operated by thermal expansion. Um, of the heat behind the behind the bulb or the LED, because it also works with LED mag lights, uh, that causes the expansion of the metal, which breaks and makes contact and makes the light go on and off. You can do that repeatedly. That's science. Using the torch or a cake, using technology is not not science. Science can be a pen and paper. It can be observation. You can do a science experiment with your eyes, just looking. Okay, so but a I lot of people we, seem to mix the two up. I agree with you. So, Dylan, you're still with us, of course, right? Uh, of course, I'm right here. So, I wanted to touch on one other subject, and that is uh, 
because you are involved in in media and uh, so forth. I think you get your degree in something or other, right? Yeah, Just, I got uh, media production. Yes, media production. So, as you know, one of the problems we have in the society we live in now is that the media uh, is believed to be infallible, and mm-hmm. and the the uh, the product that they present or the evidence or whatever you want to call it they present to uh, the people in general or the public is sometimes flawed and and but it is believed to be absolutely the truth now do you agree with that disagree with that what's your opinion on it well i think the media has its own agenda um and you, you, whether that's newspapers television radio um they all have to survive um they're all commercialized um except i mean when it comes to even community media, they have an agenda to to meet. Um, and I think when we go back to what we were talking about earlier on with, you know, investigators putting their own interpretation or bias on things, it's exactly the same with a television uh, station or a newspaper. And, of course, a lot of them require revenue. And when it comes to producing programs on the paranormal, I mean, my, my dissertation was on... Um, paranormal reality television and the portrayal of scientific practice how were they actually portraying it on there um and i think the term used was betrayal of science um, really that was right steve yeah i mean it's it's uh, so it's uh, it's a fascinating subject on its own looking at how the media do things um uh, i mean you, you could devote weeks and weeks of talking about this no doubt but uh, i i do think the media definitely have their own agenda and when it comes to the paranormal reality tv shows you know they're there as entertainment shows um, what, about, what about something like bbc now bbc we, we think of it as as you like the you know the uh ten commandments you know it comes down from <laughs> yeah. God. uh is uh, is there mistakes made on the bbc and 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 if they are made are they ever corrected uh, yes, the there BBC, are mistakes made on the BBC. Well, I was going to say, hasn't the BBC recently come under fire for, for showing a, uh, a certain political bias? Um, yeah, I mean, the BBC have been uh, accused of various bias, um, and they also do make mistakes. In fact, on numerous occasions, uh, I've seen things on the BBC News website which has been incorrect, and I've emailed them and telling them that you know what they've said is wrong. Um, and sometimes they do correct it, other times they don't. Whether that's deliberate or not is obviously up for conjecture. It's also a case of with the media, and, and you know, we're onto the media. Often it's a case of not reporting. Uh, for example, um, during uh, the presidential elections in the United States, in fact, on the day that the election result, the, the bombshell of Trump being the new president of the United States, dropped. The United Nations released a report, a critically condemning report of the British government that said that they were uh, riding roughshod over the human rights of the sick and the disabled in the UK in a way that no other Western nation, civilised nation, first world nation, had ever done before. Mm. Um, The BBC barely mentioned it on in fact they never mentioned it on any of their broadcast media but they gave it a brief two or three lines on their online presence 
Um, so there is, a, there, there is a, a, you know, you also have uh, bias by omission that they can deliberately seek to put information in or leave information out. And in fact, that's often the case with paranormal study, uh, paranormal investigations, because many of the time, and this is also um, has been demonstrated to be true within parapsychological research, uh, were neg- results that are uh, go against the expected outcome by the parapsychologist, where they don't conform to the expected outcome, or where the ghost hunter you know, the, they find something that doesn't quite meet the... They will just ignore that, that negative evidence and only look mm. at the positive. And you see that very, very often when people go for psychic readings. The medium will throw out, they will scattergun out hundreds and hundreds of statements. But the, the, um, the person who is receiving the reading will pick up on one or two very selectively as evidential and as qualitative proof yeah yeah i mean it was interesting when i when i did was doing my dissertation uh, i showed a group of people uh, a series of clips from a well-known paranormal reality television show and i wanted their feedback as as viewers as media consumers Mm -hmm. um, what they had gained from watching it Um, and it was fascinating to see what they picked up uh, from what they watched on screen, um, and then oh. discussed between themselves, some fascinating, absolutely fascinating results from it, um, and it uh, how they accepted somebody who who was termed as a parapsychologist, and yet they believed pretty much everything they said, and yet he had no formal qualification in psychology. In fact, he was an actor, um, yet they they believed everything they'd seen, right. and then based their own you know, their own approach to investigating from that. I mean, so, that's, that's the problem in that field, though, uh, Dylan, is that mm-hmm. who are really the experts? I mean, you have someone like Joe Nickel, who was what, an English uh, and and yet he's the, the leading, you know, uh, investigator for Psychops or whatever they're called now. They change their name so often. Uh, but, you know, and his... Whatever he says is is taken as you know absolutely truth, absolute law, uh, mm. because he has built up this thing. And and, and Steve Parsons, Steve is a, a well-respected person in the UK. I mean, they also believe everything he is say is absolutely. Oh no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish that were true. <laughs> but I mean, as well, Ron, you have people uh, in I know of in the UK who have produced a book. And they have the term yeah. doctor a name on it, and yet the the doctorate that they've got is not from a recognised academic um, institution. They paid their twenty five dollars. It's not from an academic institution, is it, Doctor Robert Young? They, they paid their <laughs> well, exactly. They, they paid their twenty five dollars. They you know. yeah, but it makes it makes a mockery of those of us who've, you know taken years out of our life to get those qualifications and do the actual study and the graft. Um, oh. And then, well, it, well you, you ignored. See, is, I've always maintained if you look at large areas of, of human understanding, and I always point back to archaeology and astronomy, were great. At, uh, some of the great significant discoveries were made by, by men, people who were just simply interested in the subject. And people who are interested in the subject tend to have a great deal more expertise than the professionals, the, the, the paid academics. Um, but within the paranormal community, 
what happened around about 2000 with the advent of the television ghost hunting was that people realized that ghost hunting, which is an exciting pursuit, people think. Um, is no lo- is not the preserve of the ghost hunter, people like Harry Price or Elliot O'Donnell or Nanda Fodor or, or half a dozen others, but anybody, makeup ladies, hairdressers, plumbers, they can all pick up, uh, you know, a ghost detector and uh, some high tech stuff, science, and they can go out, they can form a team, and they can hunt ghosts like they're some sort of, you know creature that needs to be hunted. So, I, I'm actually going to have to cut you short because I do want to get this Tales of the Curious in it. We are running out of time. So, uh, without further ado, let's bring on the third episode of the Teller Well, of hang the on. Case. Before we do, let's get the Teller to introduce the Teller. Alright, fine. Oh, well, of course. Coming up for you next is the third episode of the Teller of Curious Tales. Does it have a name? Bob. Episode three. <laughs> Tonight, I, the teller of curious tales, open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories, true stories, stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen to the teller of curious tales. We like to believe that when the wheels of justice miscarry, perhaps an innocent person is being saved, but in one of history's most celebrated cases, this wasn't so. It was proven beyond the shadow of doubt that John Lee of Abbots Kirwell, England, had murdered his employer, Miss Keyes, by cutting her throat from ear to ear and then hacking her head with a hatchet. Like any other criminal, Lee was brought to trial, found guilty and sentenced to hang. On Monday morning, February the 23rd, 1886, he ate a frugal breakfast of bread and butter. It was the morning of his execution, and he seemed so cheerful that the keeper who brought his food asked him the reason for his good nature. Lee said, that he had had a dream the night before, in which he walked through an unknown garden to the scaffold. As he stood there, the hood had been placed over his head, the belt was drawn, but the trap refused to work. Lee was convinced that his dream was a good omen, even though the keeper scoffed at it. At eight o'clock, as the prison bell began its doleful ringing, The hangman came into Lee's cell and quickly tied his arms. A procession was formed and the slow march to the gallows began. Quietly, impassively, the chaplain read the burial service. I am the resurrection and the life. Lee looked around. This place was the garden he had seen in his dream. He was now standing on the platform. Quickly the hangman pushed him into the middle of the trapdoor, pulled 
what seemed to be a pillowcase over his head and adjusted the rope around his neck. Everything was now in readiness. The hangman whispered to him, Have you anything to say? Lee answered, No, drop away. The chaplain had almost reached the finish and was saying, Now is the Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that slept. The bolt was drawn and the witnesses closed their eyes, unwilling to see a man so rudely pushed into the next world. A pause. The trap had failed to work. Lee stood perfectly quiet on his tiptoes, the noose still circling his neck. No one knew quite what to do. Such a thing had never happened before. So they let him stand there for fully five minutes. One of the keepers was first to move. He took the rope from around Lee's neck and removed the hood and walked him to another part of the prison yard. The hangman and his assistants tried the trap again and again. It was working perfectly now. Lee was brought back and the whole performance was repeated, even to the trapdoor not working. By this time, the hangman was so nervous he was sobbing. The chaplain was trembling so badly he couldn't read his prayer book, and the prison guards were as white as sheets. The trap was oiled. The edges of the wood greased until it worked perfectly every time. For the third time, Lee was placed in position. Again, the bolt was drawn, and this time the trap moved two inches and refused to go any further. By this time, no one could possibly go on with the execution, except the prisoner, who insisted on being hanged then or never. The chaplain insisted it was illegal to try again, and Lee was hustled back into his old cell. His dream had proved true. Public sentiment, which had been against him all this time, now turned in his favour. The pressure was so strong that England's Home Secretary commuted his sentence to life imprisonment. He served for 21 years and was released in 1907. The gong strikes. My time is up. On my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, curious tales, strange beliefs. The teller of curious tales has closed his book and about to go on his way. I'll be back again on Ghost Chronicles International with more strange stories. Sleep tight. <laughs> How the hell are you expected to sleep tight after that? Well, well Yvette, Yvette Fielding, he isn't. Huh? <laughs> Yvette Fielding, he isn't. No, thank God. <laughs> Thankfully, yes. I'll be screaming all the time. And there's actually a really curious, if you excuse the pun, postscript to this story as well, Ron, that you might like. Yes, we would. 
Well, did you know that uh, this John Lee himself actually emigrated to the United States and became uh, an American citizen? And that's where he uh, is now buried. Really? Do you know where he's buried? Milwaukee. Oh, okay. Um, Ron so was is that, really, really hoping it he's was hoping, lost. yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I was hoping it was New England. I'm sorry. I really was. Yeah, I figured that. If, for any listeners that, you know, are going to be listening right now or, or on the podcast, he's actually uh, interred at a family plot at the Forest Home Cemetery in Milwaukee. Oh, I know where that is. That's the reason. So there you are. That's, that's really interesting. You know, I mm. said really interesting, which means it was interesting versus... Good. It's interesting. So, anyways, so you have another one for us in uh, a couple of weeks. That's I, I really like these, and uh, I listen to this too. And somebody says you have a wicked laugh at the end. So there you go. I won't tell you what I was thinking about then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway. yeah, um, yeah. There's another one coming up in two weeks' time. So you think we ought to have titles for these things? Yeah, the teller of curious tales. No, each one but, should have. Uh, a, oh, no, 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 story. no. No, the reason, well, the reason we haven't, the reason we have, I am the executive producer, the reason we haven't is that we are sticking as closely as we can to the original vintage radio scripts which we acquired, um, and we're not changing anything, um, or we're not changing anything that we don't need to change for the 21st century. You're not changing century. anything, you're just adding something. Which they had is... no titles. Yes, no, they were... That there mean, was actually there's five stories per actual episode. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they, so they did go on for about, about 25 minutes. See, the only problem with this, like, 200 of them, someday when you do a DVD or a CD or whatever, and people want to know, oh, what was that one that I heard, the one with the uh, table? Three. Table, yeah, they like, won't know the episode number, but if it has well, a catchy can, name, can, they will yeah, remember we, it. Well, we can put that into the, when we do come to oh, okay. add the plot. The plan is um, uh, towards Thanksgiving of 2017, the first 25 uh, oh, stories will, will be released as uh, hopefully um, via iTunes or one of the other media to, to buy and download. Um, and by then, we will have to uh, address the issue of, of putting in um, some form Titles. of titlage. Okay, we'll accept that. But we don't for the radio show, because for the radio show, you know, as I said, uh, we still haven't had any feedback from the listener base, which is unfortunate, as regards, does anybody know where they come from? Where was the original teller of Curious Tales? Uh, was it, in fact, ever broadcast? Because Dylan and I both looked at this, and we, we uh, kind of guesstimated that uh, we're dealing with something from the 1940s or 1950s, the heyday of American radio. It clearly is an American by the uh, by the use of the word dollars throughout um, and by yeah. other... And the spelling uh, as well. It, it's and other languages. Yeah. Yeah. Proper spelling, yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, maybe one of our American listeners on the podcast, I'll, I'll put out the appeal again, you know, if you know anything about the original teller of Curious Tales, please do let it, you know, drop us a line, get in such help and help us to try and trace uh, the original because it, looking at the quality of the scripts they were clearly broadcast um, or, were, or were at the point of ready for broadcast you know we were dealing with completed scripts commissioned work by the look of it Steve definitely so anyways that was the uh, doorbell which means pizzas from the dead here so we have to go and if you uh, were intrigued by what we talked about today about evidence and 
and so forth. Uh, take my course on Paranormal CSI and you'll understand it a lot better. So uh, check out my website, nyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. And for you in the UK and Ireland, you can always take one of Steve's ghostology courses, which is kind of like it. Only, yeah. Um, Only more I, crap. More concise. Oh, yeah, it's a better word, yeah. Uh, I tell you, it, it, it's, ghostology is, is definitely worth getting. I, I would, if I had copies here, I would give it out on my Paranormal CSI course, but uh, of course I don't. Lloyd Auerbach does. He recommends it. There you go. So anyways. Not sure Joe Nickel would, though. <laughs> but we really should have Joe Nickel in the show. He would be so much fun. Do you think so? Yeah, because he wouldn't even talk to us. All right, well, that'll be your challenge for 2017, then. Get Joe Nickel on. Yeah. Joe Nickel, if you're listening, and I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> I can just, yeah, Joe Nickel, I can just see him stopping everything, because um, it's that time for Ghost Chronicles International. Exactly. What are these people talking I, about uh, today? <laughs> I've got nothing to debunk today, so I'll listen to Ghost Chronicles International. Well, he's looking for stuff to debunk, and I'm sure we provided him with lots of interesting things. You debunk the show? Yeah, that's what he would do. So, Dylan, Dylan Jones, thank you so much for being with us today, and I do appreciate you coming on, and I'll let you get back to uh, doing your football game or whatever it is. Uh, cheers, Ron. It's a pleasure as always. All right. Thank you, guys. And it's time to wrap it up. So, until next time, which could be the night, be- night mm-hmm. what's it going to be called? The, the night, night before Christmas. All right. So there you go. Tune in next week. Good night. God bless. Good night. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.